So Roger um, oversees 24-7 prayer communities. Um, he led REVs for a long time, led a student movement called Fusion. Um, and in his church was the first ever prayer room. Yes, what a legacy. <laughs> and we're very, very grateful to have you with us and very blessed. So let's continue just in that vein of saying, yes, Holy Spirit, come. Yes, presence of God, come. Yes, let's encounter Jesus. Over to you, Roger. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, I was uh, interested to see where we end up going this morning. I, I was really quite clear about, uh, but a little bit um, uncertain about what I was going to share this morning because it, I, I didn't want to fly in, you know, from Mars and then find that you were all on Pluto. Uh, that wouldn't have been very useful. Uh, but I realised that we are, are both on Pluto, so that's very, it's very reassuring when you see that uh, some of the themes that were coming out in the worship, some of the stuff that have been chosen is exactly along the lines that I've been thinking and praying. Um, it's interesting, I, I, feel, we, I feel a really deep connection with you as a community. My daughter Chloe, I know, comes in many times, has given me very firm instructions to hug certain people, to greet the community, and to say how sad she is. She is here this morning, but she's supporting my wife, who's speaking uh, back at Revs. And uh, you notice the common threads. Actually, you know, we have declared August church on holiday together. Uh, so we're not, you know, having kind of formal meetings, not that our meetings are ever very formal, uh, but we're not having formal meetings, but we are, you know, we're having a retreat day at Waverley Abbey one Sunday with Jill. You know, we're going to the beach, because obviously we can do that where we are, you know, we're going to the beach one Sunday, you know, we're having afternoon tea in our garden uh, on another Sunday, you know, we're go going on a walk together, but it's similar to you saying, look, you know, we're... We're going to go on. We're going to have a holiday together as a community. It's kind of Sabbath, kind of rest, but also recognizing that God's still working in us and moving in us, and so we want to configure and gather during that time. So I would encourage, just as I will be encouraging the church in rest to say, well, you know, let's let's play our part. Let's journey this season of holiday together because God's got some great stuff for us as a community in that process but also there's something that's going to happen as we move into the autumn uh, and if we're in sync together that will be much better. Uh, also it's quite interesting that um, I felt God speaking to me quite specifically. Uh, I went actually to um, we took our leadership team to Waverley Abbey, a Jill Weber who works for 24-7 Prayer, some of you know, led us in a retreat. And I thought, you know, well, we'll take the, the team there and, um, you know, they'll have a nice day. And, and I'll spend some time in the shepherd's hut, you know. I had no expectation at all. Uh, but I just thought, you know, it'd be nice for them, you know. And, and so anyway, so I get there. We're walking on the way into Jill's uh, place where she lives. And I'm going up the stairs and I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> crikey, that... I could sense the presence of God. And, and we sat down and we hadn't even begun this retreat. And then before she even opened her mouth, God just said to me some very specific things straight away, right at the beginning. I hadn't had done any retreat, hadn't done any listening. God would wallop. And, and um, you know, one of those things was really focusing around not getting tied up in the machinations and and the, the organisations and the pressures of, of the due diligence of leadership, but actually 
you know, beginning to sort of surf in the spirit and exercise the gifts that God has given me. And, and I was sharing that on, this is where, you know, where it links in. I was sharing that on, we were on holiday in Spain with two friends. And, and I was sitting in this lovely hotel courtyard having coffee one morning. And I was actually sharing this. And while I was at it, I get this message. Um, and it was literally a Macedonian call. It was Phil Evans from, <laughs> from Macedonia saying, Roger, we'd like you to come over here and work with our leadership and do stuff. So I'm talking about, you know, I'm literally talking to them about, you know, the, feeling the need just to get out and exercise, do the stuff rather than get caught up with all the other things, you know. And there, there we go. So, uh, and, and obviously you, you guys are talking about Macedonia, so... Signs, <laughs> signs of wonders if you will see them, he who has ears. So, so the passage that I was felt drawn to this morning, because um, I think you are in a time, you're in a time of change, you're in a time of transition, you're a church that was birthed in prayer, and sometimes I'm asking the question, um, where's the red moon? Uh, now those of you that, that know about the story of 24-7 prayer, some of you may have uh, heard uh, of the book Red Moon Rising and one of the stories in there came from a time when uh, when we ha we were praying at, at Revs it may have even probably was before 24-7 started and we are in this sense that you know God is moving God is upon us this is a season of the spirit and we were really praying into our community and there was one of those blood red moons. And you know you always get all these you know, stuff online and conspiracy theories and slightly nutty stuff. But it just seemed to be that the two things came together and we were, and that, hence red moon rising. And uh, because that, that is a kind of a logo for a type of understanding of how God's kingdom and how God's spirit is moving in these days. So in Acts 2, uh, you know, when the Spirit came upon the disciples at Pentecost, you know, John, John gives a slightly different account. He, he's kind of like, he, he talks about Jesus in the book of John. He talks about Jesus breathing on the disciples and then receiving the Holy Spirit. It, what John's doing is he's riffing back to Ezekiel 37. You know, when, when the Spirit was breathed on the dry bones and they became a mighty army. So John, when he, when he accounts for this outpouring of the Spirit, he's, he's riffing off Ezekiel. And they love to do that, the Gospel writers. They're always riffing off the Old Testament. You know, you, you can't miss it. Uh, but, then, but in Pentecost, we see this event where the Spirit comes and, and, and it's seen as a fulfillment um, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, a billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is a kind of a, this is a passage almost that describes the age of the church, if you like. It describes the age that we were in. And, and I think it, 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 we are in, that we're living in now. Um, 
My brother-in-law, you know, who's an atheist and he's a top city lawyer, he reads The Economist, and, and if there's any interesting articles, you know, he sends them to me and we have a little conversation about it. So I got an article from The Economist from him the other day, and he said the fastest growing global religious movement is the Pentecostal movement. And it's this article, and it basically includes charismatics in it. And this basic saying, across the globe, the fastest growing re religious movement is Pentecostalism and the charismatic movement. And he explains sociologically why. And then at the bottom it says, well, look, you know, obviously there's been a lot of criticism of this movement for because of this, because of that, because of this, because of the other, because of everything else. But one would expect that anything that's successful is going to uh, have a considerable amount of criticism against it and some things might go wrong. But I thought, I thought this is a really um, interesting, interesting article uh, in The Economist that that was, um, oh, me back. Um, I'm creaking. <laughs> but, but uh, you, you know, it's it, it really, really interesting that there is this global move of the spirit. And we are still in the last days. You know, and... and you know, the revival spirit is this cry, the, the cry of the early church, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And, and it comes out of a sense of tribulation, a sense of angst, a sense of anguish, a sense of difficulty, a sense of struggle. And I think they kind of believed it was going to happen sooner than it did. But, it was, it, but the push that propelled the early church outward through the book of Acts is that they weren't crying out just for an experience now they were crying out for Jesus the Lord Jesus the presence of Jesus Jesus please come and deal with all of this mess so they weren't eschatological nutcases you know expecting the rapture to happen on Bognor Beach you know at 3 30 on Tuesday afternoon you know it wasn't it wasn't you know no one, you know, when in Acts 1-7, where they said, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You know, Jesus said, now is not the time for you to know that, but you will be my witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, because the Spirit is coming upon you. So we run this tension of not turning into people that, you know, every time something happens in there, the, you know, the Lord, yeah, as I say, the Lord's coming at 3.30 on, but, you know, we get, get off in stuff way, away, away, away from what the scriptures meant. But at the same time, if, if we react to that, we lose the heart of the early church who, they, they were kind of, they were praying for a revival, but the kind of revival they had in mind was, Lord, please come back. Please come back because, you know, here we are, you know, the writer of the book of Revelation. Here I am, exiled on Patmos after the temple in Jerusalem has been completely destroyed. You know, where we are alienated from the economic structures around and where we're being persecuted as a church. Where Nero and Domitian, two, two, two emperors of, of, of martyring people, where the bodies of Christians have been burnt like torches on the, at the bottom of his garden. And he's saying, Lord, you know, come. And he's having all these pictures of holy God and all of this sort of stuff. And, and, and of course, he's slagging Rome off, you know. Babylon on seven hills, everybody knows he's talking about Rome. You know, no wonder he got exiled to Patmos. <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, here we are in the middle of this scenario, if you like, and, and 
The Spirit is moving. We're in the age of the prophetic. We're in the age of the Spirit being poured out on men and women. And everybody, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is being saved. And right at the heart of that is this sense of, Lord, will you come? That we, we hunger for you and we thirst for you more than some of the stuff that we've got on here. And we realise that ultimately only you can fix this situation. You know, only you coming now in your power is going to bring the transformation that we need. And, you know, we see the kingdom now. We will see God's life breaking out. But in the end, what we need is a new heaven and a new earth. So we're caught in between two times. And it's interesting. One of the things I noticed before COVID, I was doing some sort of thinking around the apocalyptic. And I'll explain that to you in a minute. I'll try not to get too theological this morning. I lead me not into temptation of theological blind alleys. Um, I was, because, you know, with all that, the environmental protests in London, you noticed how the, the emerging generations, the young people that were there, their language was almost apocalyptic. You know, if we don't do something, this, this is going to be the end of the age. The earth is going to be burnt up. This, this is the end of... Yeah, and, it, and I was really interested. So I started to study. Of course, then we had COVID, which is pretty apocalyptic, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, relationally, economically, globally, pretty apocalyptic stuff. Then we've got war in Ukraine. You know, now we're going to have economic crash. Of course, then we realise that the environmental thing hasn't gone away. It's actually worse than it was before. So we're in, we're in this situation where we need to be crying out, come Lord Jesus. And you know, what, um, what the word apocalyptic in the New Testament, it's, it's kind of not, it's not it, it is kind of this come Lord Jesus kind of thing, but it's not really about the end of the end. Do you know what I mean? What it is, it's about God breaking in. The word apocalyptic is the word revelation. It's the unveiling. And so if you look at God's purposes throughout history, there is a kind of a, a patient development of, of God's purposes that you see from Genesis to Revelation. You see, you know, you've got world history and then you've got God's history in Scripture. You see that. But actually within that development, the way God moves tends to be in this bang, breaking. You know, the Exodus, you know, that wasn't gradual, was it? Whew. You know, the exile and the return from exile. You know, it's this kind of breaking in. You know, the, the incarnation when Jesus comes. You know, it's like a crazy breaking, if you like. And, and it wasn't sort of a nice birth, was it? You've got all the, 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 the persecution, the death of the babies, all of that kind of stuff. God breaking in. You know, when, when Jesus went about his ministry, there was generally a fair amount of Bedlam, you knew that Jesus had come into town. You know, I was reading um, some guys that were, you know, um, from the, the critical school that were saying, well, look, you know, the problem with the Gospels, you know, is that they, they, they're post-resurrection documents. You know, they're biased. They're all written by people that were followers of Jesus. And one scholar said, the difficulty is it was very, Jesus was the sort of person, it was very hard to meet him and not end up as a follower. There weren't many of them. <laughs> you know so so what do you expect 
Because when, when Jesus came into town, you know, the power of the Spirit broke out through him. There was that situation. And then you've got Paul who talks about, well you, well, you know what happened to Paul. He was blinded and then had his eyes opened. Well, when I got saved, it was a bit like that, you know. And, I, and I've probably had, I don't know how many hundred experiences of God through my life where God has spoken in. And, it, and it's, it's not been like a, it's just been bang, oh, you know, it's just, oh, it's that moment, the kingdom of God breaking out. And so there's something about the, 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 the gospel that is apocalyptic. <laughs> you know, the cross, Jesus breaks in and destroys the power of sin and destroys the power of death that, that, that holds us captive. You know, that's not a gentle, gradual event. That's an, a, a, a seismic breakout of God you know, that, that is absolutely dynamic and has changed the course of the history of the whole of creation forever. And that's the way God works. And, and, I, and so what, when we expect, you know, where's the red boot, God? It's this kind of, how are we praying? You know, even like... Um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, you could look at that, that, that. You could look at that as an apocalyptic prayer, couldn't you? Really, in terms of revelation, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God is wanting to break out into our minds and into our hearts and into our lives, and and I think as is usual, it's it's those that hunger most that get more, isn't it? It's that parable of Jesus, you know. That, that it's almost like those that have got something get more and those that have got nothing end up with less. And that seems incredibly unfair. But I think right at the core of that, there is that hunger. And I believe God is looking for communities and individuals that are going to be hungry for the presence of God and who are willing to look at some of this stuff here and realize, you know, this, this is the age, we are in the age of the Spirit. We are in the age where God breaks in and breaks out. And we know that sometimes it feels like already, but not yet. And other times it feels like not yet, but already, doesn't it? <laughs> and, and do you know what? A lot of theologians will say Jesus and Paul were really, really similar. You know, in, in the sense that Jesus was kind of a typical um, Jewish, messianic, charismatic type leader. You know, there have been lots of them, you know, messiahs that come along, itinerant, doing the stuff. The difference is Jesus raised the dead and was raised from the dead and, and, and was proved to be the messiah. And, and Paul had a kind of similar dimension in that Jesus sort of said, well, the kingdom is here, but it is to come. And you see the kingdom breaking out. And Paul kind of taught the same thing. You know, in Romans 7, he's like, I'm a bit like this. I'm not too good, actually. I'm having a few struggles. And then in Romans 8, it's thanks be to God. So he's got the not yet and the already in his life. And that's what we've got, isn't it? We struggle as communities sometimes, don't we? We, we, we don't get the answers to prayers that we expect. You know, some, some people get sicker when we pray for them rather than better. You know, we intercede for some situations and we think, how do we end up there? And, and then some things just seem incomplete. You know, as my daughter Chloe had a you know, brain tuber, of which she didn't die of, which is a major miracle, but she's still living with a life-limiting. And you think, where does all that... Well, that's... 
if, if we don't understand that, that we're in the not yet and we are yearning, come Lord Jesus, because we know one time, there will be a time when we're free from all this stuff and we are, we, we're going to be with you in glory. So we yearn for that. You know, it talks about, you know, Paul talks about even though outward we, we are wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed. And this whole thing, isn't it, about the creation, even the creation yearning for this time when the sons of God will come into their own and Jesus will return. But in the meantime, <laughs> your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's not bad, you know. We see God's kingdom break out. We see God's foundations in our lives. We build communities. But even our communities are not yet but already, already not yet, aren't we? It's not just what we're praying for. It's in the community here. We, we, we don't love one another at the moment like we will do when we're in heaven. We don't see each other as perfect yet like we will do because we've got a few things, a few issues. So, because we're not yet, you know, and, and if you're in a church and you think that church is not yet, you're heading for disappointment because trust me, every church is not yet. That's why we need forgiveness and reconciliation and humility and, and all of those things. But do you know what? Every church is also already. So, so actually, when, when people outside look at us, they think, they should link, these people are a bit weird. You know, let, you know, that, okay, we should, they should also think these people are loving, these people are good, these people are kind. Yeah, but they should also think these people are a bit weird. They're a bit odd. They're separate too. You know, the, the Romans couldn't understand the early church. They called them atheists. Because the Romans worshipped loads of gods, so the Christians said, we're only going to worship one. And they said, well, you're a bunch of atheists. And you, you obviously hate society because you're not allowing people to worship their gods. You're saying they have to work your God. And they just could not clock it. They could not understand it. Yet at the same time, they could not bring a charge against them. And so let's not worry if people look at us and think, these guys are a bit odd. You know, what they do with their money, the way they love each other, the you know, way they manage their households, what they do, the choices they make, the ethics they hold, the morality they stand for, it's a bit odd it doesn't fit. We mustn't lose the weird. It, and I use the word weird advisedly. And in the biblical sense. <laughs> I'm not going to say what I was about to say. Um, wisdom is something that we all need. Uh, so we are in this age where the Spirit has been poured out. And, and the essence of the church is the church that's built and brought together by the Spirit. You know, we are gathered... You know, I love Paul, every single letter, it begins with grace and ends with grace. You know, there'll always be an introduction, grace, and a, and a conclusion, grace. And if it's not the last sentence, it will be three or four sentences back. And, and really, you know, Paul's idea of grace is very similar to what we see Jesus outworking. So it's not like you've got two different things going on. They're pretty much the same. You, 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 you know, the way Jesus welcomes the outsider, the way it's, you know, holiness is something that comes from inside out, not outside in, all of that stuff fits with how Paul talks about grace. And this idea of grace carries, if you like, this wonderful love and acceptance and grace that's in Christ, that's the power that energizes the church. 
And so the gifts and the ministries that form the body are the charismata. They're the gifts of grace. So everything we need to be the church that God has called us to do is in the spirit through grace via the body. And, and so it's not enough for us to say, oh, we're a team together and we're just going to get on and we're going to do it and all of ourselves and we're going to be nice. Well, that's a good aspiration. But if it's not energized by the spirit, we're in problems. And because uh, the spirit will, is the one who forms the church. Paul says in Philippians, if you have any fellowship in the spirit, and he's appealing to Euodia and Syncate who are falling out with each other. <laughs> uh, if you have any fellowship in the spirit, and of course the, the spirit is all about the power and the gifts and the ministries, but it's all about the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, generous self-control. So this, out, this, this dimension here in these last days, all of these outworkings of the power of the spirit that are, they are, eschatological i.e they're to do with the end times they're looking forward okay we have a spirituality that's full of hope because what we know that whatever happens in the end we win okay so we ultimately we have hope but in, in the meantime we have the spirit <laughs> who's the spirit of hope and, and love and all that kind of dimension that enables us to build the church and we are in this time of the outpouring of the spirit so where is the red moon well the red moon is still rising <laughs> the red moon is still there as a sign that we as the community of god are called to stand for him in this context and i believe that as a church you're capturing something of this and and i think it's the time for you to seize all the opportunities that are before you. I love that word, the door is open. You know, behold, I put before you a door that no person could shut. You know, that, you know, I think if you looked at that in Revelation and you sort of analysed it, it would be the door of salvation. That's what he's talking about. And that's what the key of David is. It's the door of salvation. But we won't get into that. We're going down. But, but there's an open door. And I think the vision that God has laid before you and, and, uh, and, and, you know, the stuff, you've got two different communities here, you've got all of that stuff. I think the word of the Lord is, well, well, go through that door. And there may be other doors that are open to you in this season. And I think it's a good invitation for you as a community to go through that door. And I think in order to do that, in conclusion, uh, we are going to need to steward and to hold... The, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, 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 <laughs> I'm in a church. You know, some, some of the people, some, some of the people at our church, you know, they, you, you, they know their Myers Briggs. They, if you, if you don't know any of these things, don't worry. They're useful. They're useful. They're really good for teams. But they know their Myers Briggs profile. They know their Enneagram profile. Ooh, don't worry about that. They, you know, they, they know their Strengths Finders profile. They know all of that sort of stuff. But if you say to them. What's your ministry? They're like, uh. <laughs> you know, what gifts of the spirit you got? Uh, I, don't know. I did have a picture once. I think I'll pray in tongues. You know, and, and yet Paul lays out this picture of the church, which is built through the moving and the working of the spirit. 
So we, we, should, we should begin to, and of course any of us can step out in any of the gifts of the Spirit at any stage as the Spirit leads us and moves through us because they're gifts of the Spirit, they're not ours. But we should have an idea of, of what is it that, that God has put in us that we are called to, to be custodians of. You know, in terms of, do we have a pastor? Is it, is it reaching out? Is it both? What, where, where are our gifts and our ministries? And I think this next season, more broadly for the church, I think if we're going to see the spirit break out, we've got to learn to move in the spirit <laughs> and keep moving in the spirit. And so I wonder whether you as a community, some of you, I think you need to just hold that and... and and, and, and it's something that is not just for the prayer rooms and for the meetings. It's, it's pours out into our communities. You know, as you sit there and talk with somebody, you share a word of knowledge about them without even saying anything about them. Or you ask a question which they can't... And, and then God begins to move in people's lives as we pray and as we... As we, as we engage with them, I could give loads of stories, but I'm not going to bore you with those because you've probably got better ones. So what I'd like us to do is, and what I'd like to ask the question, firstly is, I think that in prayer, there are people that, that, that some of you are thinking, you know, I've not got time for all this sort of, you know, intercession thing. You know, I'm an activist. I need to get on and do some things. You, don't worry about that, but, but you can go do that. Don't forget a bit of prayer, though. And do you know what? In your activism, a few spiritual gifts can be really handy. You know? And there are others of you who feel, you know, I, I feel I, I need to hold this thing, you know, in terms of prayer and, and intercession. And so I wondered if we could stand together and, I, and, and, and we're going to pray. And do feel free, Charles, to help me, uh, you know, should I run out of ideas, um, you know. <laughs> Scott's got another song. Good. Well, Scott, why don't you get up here? So let's stand together, shall we? I think there's a few things that we could pray for. I think, firstly, if there are people here that are really feeling that, do you know what? I'm, I have a hunger for more of God, and I would like to open my life up to be filled with more of the life of God and to be released in gifts and ministries of the Spirit. That's one thing I, I think we could pray for uh, I, I think there's uh, the, the other thing of people that are really feeling they want to they want to hold this thing you know of being here we are in this age of the spirit and they want to stand on behalf of that and help the church help the help the people of God really move into that dimension uh, and, and then at the end, if there's um, one or two activists here that are thinking, how does this work in my workplace, and you'd like some tools, um, and we'd love to pray for you for that. So those are the three areas. Should, should we invite people forward, John? So, okay, so if you, if you really feel you would like to receive more of the Spirit and to be released in some of the gifts of the Spirit, if you come that side, um, so you can do that. And, and if you feel that you're called to hold this thing uh, in the spirit, come this side. That would be really good. And I know you're coming out. <laughs> so let's do that. So do come forward. Don't...